You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. John chapter 10, beginning in verse number 27. The Bible says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. I pray that you would help us to be receptive. I pray that you give us understanding. I pray that we would make application, and I pray that your word would do a mighty and a powerful work in our hearts and lives. We need your word. We cannot live without it. And I pray today that we would uh, receive what you have for us. We thank you for these dear people. I thank you for their faithfulness to be in church. I pray that you'd help us not to uh, waste our time, help us not just to go through the motions, but uh, help us to put our heart and soul and everything we have uh, into this time. And may we uh, receive a word from the Lord today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I see in this passage, John chapter 10, I see some reminders that God gives us as his sheep. Now, don't be offended, but God does refer to us many times throughout Scripture as sheep. Now, I'm not a farmer. I don't work with animals. I don't do any of those things, but... I do know that sheep are not that smart. How many of you knew that? Let me see your hands, all right? And, uh, and by the way, sometimes we're not that smart either, are we? Uh, have you ever made a mistake and you thought, I'm not going to do that again, and then the next day you do it again, right? And so we're sheep and we need a shepherd. We need somebody to lead us. We need somebody to, to, to help us, to, to guide us on, in the way. I know for me, sometimes it's easy uh, in life, and by the way, we're all busy, but it's easy sometimes to get distracted. And I want to say that Satan's desire is he wants to destroy you. Make no mistake about it. Satan wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your children, your grandchildren. He wants to destroy anything good that God is doing in your life. But if Satan can't destroy, Satan will do everything he can to distract. And sheep need a shepherd to lead them so that they don't get distracted. So, Pastor, I don't do that. I don't have any trouble with getting distracted. Well, how about this? Have you ever been in one room of your house and you go to another room in your house for a particular reason? The problem is when you get to that other room, you can't remember what the reason was. And so you go back and you retrace your steps and you just can't figure it out, you know, and then it bugs you, you know. We're talking about as as Christians sometimes, we get distracted. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of burdens. There's a lot of of things going on. I'm thankful for technology and I think there's a lot of good uses for it. But if you spend your life watching the news or listening to the news or reading the news, you will be discouraged, I promise you. You can't let Satan distract you from what really matters and from what God has for your life. And so these are some reminders 
that Jesus gives to his sheep. That is us, those who are saved, those that are children of God. I want you to see number one, the first reminder I see for the sheep is the reminder to pay attention. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Now, I'm thankful that as a child of God, I'm thankful that I belong to him. Aren't you glad that your identity is in Jesus Christ? You are valuable, not because of who you are, but because of who you belong to. And Jesus says, my sheep. Notice with me in verse number nine. How do you become a sheep in the fold of Jesus Christ? How do you become a child of God? Verse nine, Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be, what? Saved. Jesus is the door to salvation. Jesus is the door to eternal life. And there's only one door. There's only one way. Jesus is not only the door, but he is the way. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you don't have to go to a lot of churches. You don't have to read a lot of books. You don't have to go to a lot of seminars. You don't have to figure out all the ways to heaven and then pick the best. You have to realize that there's only one way. And Jesus Christ is the door. Verse number 11. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Now, how good is our shepherd? Notice what it says in verse 11. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus gave his life for you. The fact that you are his sheep is because he died in your place. He became the lamb of God. He became the sacrifice so that you and I wouldn't have to die. So we wouldn't have to go to hell. So we wouldn't have to pay for our sins. He is the shepherd. We are the sheep. Verse number 17. Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Verse 18. No man taketh it from me but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. When Jesus hung on that cross, it was not the nails that held him to that cross. It was not the swords and the, the, the spears of those Roman soldiers that kept him there. It was his love for you and me that kept him to the, on that cross. He gave his life. He laid down his life. He offered his life as a sacrifice so that we could be his Sheep, praise God for who we belong to. I'm glad I belong to him. But I see in this passage, my sheep hear my voice. Now notice the verse does not say, my sheep heard my voice. When they got saved, when they trusted me, they heard my voice, they heard my calling, and then that's it. No more communication, no more voice, no more words, no more message. Oh, no, no, no. God didn't say that you and I, we heard his voice. But the Bible says we're supposed to hear. As in like today. As in like every day. God wants to speak and God wants us to listen. Now here's the problem. Sometimes we don't hear the voice of God because there's too much other noise going on in our lives. Sometimes you just got to quiet things down so you can hear God speak to you. You've heard the expression, it's sometimes it gets so loud you can't even hear yourself think, right? Well, sometimes we just need to tune out the other noise so we can tune into the voice of God. 
But sometimes I'm afraid this is the problem. And I think for, for, for many of us, I think we can relate. Sometimes if we're not careful, it's not that we don't hear the voice of God. It's that we've gotten used to the voice of God. Now, let me give you an example. My wife and I, we, uh, we both, we went to college in, in Santa Clara, California. It's just a few miles from an international airport. And uh, David, you and your wife and Jen, you all live there. and all, Not you and your wife, Jen. Your wife, Jen. Not you and your wife and Jen. Um, <laughs> I got to clarify that. Anyway, let's rewind that. Um, my wife and I, David and his wife, they lived in that same area, just literally just a couple miles from the airport. And honestly, just a stone's throw from train tracks. And I'm not talking about abandoned train tracks. I'm not talking about where a train goes through, you know, once a month. I'm talking about every day, the Amtrak and all those trains would go through. And at first, boy, you hear it. You can feel it. I mean, you can, whoa, what's going on? But you know what happens over time? You get used to it. You don't even realize it. And then somebody else will come that, that hasn't lived there, and they'll say, whoa, what was that? And you'll say, what was what? It's still the same train. It's still the same plane. It's still the same noise, but you have gotten used to it. Now, it's okay to get used to trains and, and, and planes and, and sirens and, and noises and dogs barking and all those things, but it's not okay to get used to the voice of God. It's not okay to, to, to just not hear God because, oh, it's not a big deal. I've been there. I've done that. I've been going to church for all my life. I've been in Sunday school, and, and I've heard that passage, and I've, I've read that Bible, and, and I've read that book, and, and I've read, I know it. No, no, no. Friend, you and I cannot get used to the voice of God. We need to hear his voice. We need to listen. We need to be attentive. We hear the voice of God through the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. We hear the voice of God through the reading of His Word. We hear the voice of God through the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit that speaks to our hearts. I want to tell you, we need to hear the voice of God. Turn with me, please, to 2 Timothy. If you go forward in the New Testament to 2 Timothy, you'll find First and 2 Thessalonians, then First and 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, you say, well, pastor, those disciples, they heard Jesus speak. They heard his audible voice. They heard it with their own ears, and, and that's true. But I want to tell you this morning that we have the words of God that we hold in our hands. We have the Bible. And 2 Timothy 3, verse number 16, I want you to see it. It says, all Scripture... That means from Genesis to Revelation. That means from the beginning to the end, all Scripture is given by what? Inspiration of God. Now that word inspiration is not like we use the word inspiration, like you were at work and you just really weren't feeling motivated and finally you, you got some inspiration. Finally you got some motivation. No, no, no. That's not what that means. The word inspired. The word inspiration, it means God breathed. These are the words of God. It was promised that God would give us his word. It's been promised all throughout the Old Testament and the New. But God gave us his word. He breathed his word. He inspired his word. But then God took it a step further. 
God preserved his word. And the Bible that you and I, that we hold in our hands, this is not just man's ideas. This is not just our thoughts. This is not just what we think God was trying to say. But we stand on the authority that God's word is inspired, it is breathed by God, and it is preserved by God. That means we don't have to go back. You don't have to learn Hebrew. Now, if you learn Hebrew and you can read the Hebrew Old Testament, God bless you. I'm happy for that. But you don't have to learn Hebrew. You don't have to learn Greek. You don't have to be a Greek scholar to be able to understand the Bible. You just have to know that God has not only inspired his word, but he has preserved his word for every generation. Ian Paisley made this statement about inspiration, and he said if, if God inspired his word, but he could not preserve his word, then God wasted his breath. And friend, I want to tell you, if God has the power to speak the worlds into existence, and if God has the power to create you and me, and if God can keep you alive, and God can keep me alive, and God can keep the stars and the planets and the sun and moon in their orbits, and God can, can do all those things, I want to tell you, he's got power to preserve his word, and he promised. I'm glad that we have the words of God. I'm glad that we can read the Bible. We can hear the words of God from the Bible. Number one, we must pay attention. We must hear his voice. But number two, I see in John chapter 10, if you'll turn back there, I see not only the reminder to pay attention, but I see number two, the reminder of awareness. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Now that's a wonderful thought, is it not? To think that God knows you. God knows everything about you. God knows everything about me. God knows who you are. God knows what you're going through. God hasn't forgotten about you. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. A few weeks ago, we, few of us, uh, we, uh, a few of us guys, we were in a meeting. And after the, the meeting at, at a, a church, there was a man that I've known for years and years. His name is Larry, Larry Kuntz. And he, he has a ministry. It's an amazing ministry. It's called Neighborhood Bible Time. And what they do all through the summer is they will do little neighborhood Bible clubs and they'll do assemblies at church, kind of like a VBS or a kids crusade and teen rallies. And they see hundreds and hundreds of young people saved every year. It's a great ministry. I've known this man for a long time. He's a good man. He's trained so many young men as, as, as preachers for this ministry. But he would come to Bible colleges like our college, Golden State Baptist College, where I worked and I attended. And he'd come and he'd recruit students to be a part of this summer ministry. Well, one particular year, and I had not heard this story until just a few weeks ago. One particular year, he had come to the college and he was meeting with a young man. His name is Eliud. And Eliud's a good guy. He's a great musician, great preacher and all that. But he was meeting with some students and he left. He went back to Illinois to his home and he was calling and talking to Eliud. But the problem is he thought he was talking to somebody else. And so the plans were in motion. Eliud said, I'm coming. I'm working the summer. I'm going to do this ministry. I'm going to travel all over the country and preach and do uh, neighborhood Bible time. And, and so Eliud, he came. He got on a plane, he flew to Illinois, he got to the airport, and there he met Larry, and Larry looked at him and said, who are you? Eliud said, and we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, Eliud said, I'm Eliud. And he said, you're not Eliud. 
And Ellie's like, I kind of know I'm Elliot. You know, that's me. And, and, and Larry said, I'm so sorry. I thought you were somebody else. And all this time, I thought I was talking to this person and all that. Well, guess what? The story ended well. He traveled that summer and God blessed and God used him and he didn't have to change plans. But we laughed and laughed about that. And guess what? That could happen to any one of us, right? Because people make mistakes. People forget. People get mixed up. But I'm glad when it comes to our shepherd, he knows who we are. He knows your needs. He knows what you're going through. He knows your thoughts. He knows your motives. He knows your hearts. He, he knows our way. Job said, uh, he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I'm glad that Jesus knows me. And I'm glad that I can know him. I see number one, the reminder of attention. Number two, the reminder of awareness. But number three, I, I see the reminder to accompany. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now, that just makes sense that sheep would follow the shepherd. Could you imagine how silly it would be to see the sheep trying to lead the shepherd? The sheep don't know what they're doing. They don't know which way's up. They don't have a clue. Kind of sounds like us sometimes, doesn't it? We try to get ahead of God. We try to think that we know what's best and God directs us and, and we don't like how that looks or how that seems. And so we go our own way. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man. But the Bible says the end thereof are the ways of death. You don't want to go your own way. I don't want to go my own way. I want to follow the shepherd. I want to accompany him. I want to stick with him. And as we hear his voice, we can follow him. I want to ask you this morning, are you listening as the shepherd is speaking? Are you listening as the Lord is leading in your life? We do not know better than the shepherd. Oh, how we need to follow the shepherd every day. Quickly, number four, I see a reminder to the sheep. It says in verse number 28, I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I see number four, the reminder of assurance. Jesus says that if you are his child, if you are his sheep, if you are one of his, then he says he has given you eternal life. Now, isn't it good to know that once you're saved, isn't it good to know it's not up to you to keep yourself saved? You're not the one that got yourself saved and you're not the one that keeps yourself saved. It's Jesus who saved you and it's Jesus who keeps you and your security is not based upon you and your ability or your expertise or my ability or my expertise. My salvation is based upon his promise. It is his assurance. He said that they shall never perish. That word never, it means certainly not. Not at all, by no means. There is no circumstance, there is no situation where that would be true. Jesus said, you never, never will perish. I love John 3, 16. I preached from it yesterday at Miss Hilda's funeral. I'll preach from it in a few weeks here on a Sunday. God's working on my heart about that passage. And it's so familiar. But I want to remind you, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. Aren't you glad that when God described salvation, he used words like everlasting and eternal? And that means if it's everlasting, it means that it's forever, and it doesn't mean that it's intermittent. It doesn't mean that you, you stop and then you get it again and then you stop and you get it again. It never ends. It is everlasting life. And that is the assurance that Jesus gives to the sheep. That is the reminder that he gives eternal life and will never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've been saved. There's been a time that you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know what Satan would love to do to you? He'd love to get you to doubt it. Satan specializes in trying to convince saved people that they're not saved. And if you're here today and you have been saved, you, 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 there was a time and a place that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want to tell you this, you can count on it. And you can mark it down and you can believe it and you can trust it because God has never broken a promise. You are saved because he said so. But maybe you're here today and maybe your battle is this, that you're not saved, but Satan's trying to, trying to tell you you are saved. You say, well, I've never trusted Christ as my savior. I've never put my faith and trust in him, but I come to church. I carry my Bible. I, I, when I was younger, I got baptized and my parents were good people and my grandparents were this and my, my family's this and I do a lot of good. And I say, praise God for that, but that's not salvation. Salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. He is the only way. And so maybe today, if you're here and you're not saved or you're watching the service or listening to the service, maybe today's the day you need to get it settled once and for all. Jesus says, I give unto them eternal life. It's a gift. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. All you can do is receive it as a gift. But I see the reminder of assurance. Lastly, I see the reminder of authority. Verse 29, Jesus has already promised that we would have eternal life and will never perish and nobody will pluck you out of his hand. That word pluck, it means to snatch away or to take something by force. And Jesus said, nobody's going to do that. But in case you weren't sure, in case you needed a little bit more confidence, verse 29, my father, Jesus said, which gave them me is greater than who? All. My father is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. There's that insurance ad that says you are in good hands, right? I don't know. I can't speak for that. I can't tell you for sure that that's 100% accurate, but I can tell you John 10, 28, and 29 is 100% accurate. You're in good hands. If you are in the hands of Jesus, nobody can pry you out. If you're in the hands of Jesus, you're also safe in the hands of the Father, and no one is greater than Him. No one is stronger than Him. He has absolute authority. About a week or two ago, I was having a theological conversation with my children. And uh, those are pretty interesting if you've not had those conversations. We were driving and 
in the van. I, Joanne, I forget where we were going. We, I knew we were coming home from something, and uh, the, the, the kids were talking, and, and it was Kylie, I think, that, and she's uh, six, but Kylie was talking about being scared of something. Well, Kylie's not scared, but she does like to be dramatic, you know, and so that was what that conversation was all about. Oh, I'm so scared. Oh, no, you know, and we're all in the van riding together. Like, it's going to be okay, girl, all right? Nothing to worry about, unless she was worried about my driving, but I don't think that's what it was. I think it was something else. Oh, I'm so scared. I'm so scared, and so somebody spoke up and said, Kylie, you don't have to be scared of anything because God is going to protect you. And God is stronger than the devil. And I mean, it was, it was getting good. You know, I'm listening thinking, so far, so good. You know, all right, good. And um, they got all done. And then I decided I was going to kind of try to summarize it and make sure she was she good. And she was good. And she understood. And I said, Kylie, I said, listen. I said, you don't have to be afraid of anything. I said, you don't have to be afraid of the devil. I said, God is stronger than the devil. I said, the, devil, the devil's not stronger than God. God is stronger than the devil. And right behind me in his car seat, Micah spoke up. He's almost four. But Micah is, um, Micah is one of those that does not lack for confidence. Let me just put it that way. Uh, Micah is one that he is, he is so tough, he'll always say, you want to see my muscle? Well, he's not showing, you know, the arms or anything. He's showing his fists. He's like, just feel that. Feel that muscle right there, you know. Oh, and he's so, he's so strong. Well, to give you a case in point, Wednesday night, he came to the Master Club's harvest party, dressed up like a Bible character, one that kids don't usually dress up like. He dressed up like Goliath. Now, friend... Lest you judge Micah, some of you have been guilty of that before too. You've just listened to the first part of the story and then you missed the end, right? You, you missed the, the, the turnout. Uh, I guess he didn't listen when the teacher was teaching, you know, Miss Grace or whoever was teaching, that Goliath did not end well, okay? I think he just heard the part about Goliath being the biggest and strongest and he was the champion and all that. So, so, so that's Micah's mentality. He was Goliath on Wednesday he was Superman on Friday, and he was Spider-Man yesterday. I mean, that's like Micah's week, okay? All these superheroes. And so I'm telling Kylie, I said, Kylie, don't worry. I said, God is stronger than the devil. God is stronger than anybody. And Micah inserted his two cents. And Micah said, that's right, Kylie. God is even stronger than me. <laughs> and I thought, well, first of all, I'm glad he admits that. But secondly, I want to say this. That's because in Micah's mind, he's the strongest person he knows. But he had to admit that God is stronger than him. And, and I want to ask you this question. I want you to think about this. Who is or what is in your life? What is the biggest thing you're facing? What is the biggest battle you have? What is the, the person perhaps who you're struggling with the most? What is the, uh, the, the, the burden or the situation? Maybe it's a, a financial or physical or family, whatever. But what is it in your life that is so big right now that you've allowed that to cause you to fear? Well, you're going to have to fill in the blank this morning, but I want to tell you, God is bigger than you fill in that blank. Whatever that is that you're facing right now, I want to tell you, God is greater. 
He is greater than all. He is greater than your fears. He's greater than your worries. He's greater than your problems. He is greater than all. And the authority that we have from the shepherd, he says this, I give unto you eternal life and you'll never perish. And nobody can pluck you out of my hand. My father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.